Hello and welcome to Alchemy Radio, where the only thing we ask of you is that you keep an open mind. Today's guest is Soren Dreyer. Soren, who is based in Denmark, is the author and compiler of the very popular Zen Haven website, which takes a philosophical approach to the world around us, the control system, the matrix, and lots more besides, and focuses on solutions as well as the problems. So, Soren, how are you today? I'm fine. I'm sitting here waiting for a blizzard to arrive. Well, to be honest, I'd like a bit of a blizzard. I'm looking out at the, uh, well, the customary Irish rain. <laughs> it doesn't matter what season it is, we just get rain. It's freezing cold out there and raining, and I think I'd love a white Christmas for a change. <laughs> we'll get the Irish weather next week, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> You've had a really busy year, Soren. Um, obviously, people will know you from your website, Zen Haven, which yes. is, of course, a haven of very interesting and valuable information. Um, yeah. how, how, how have you found the website over the last year? Because so many people are speaking of their big, and I'm not a huge fan of the term, but the awakening in inverted commas, and there seems to be a kind of a shift. How have you found, in terms of the feedback you're getting from the website, 2012 to be? I find it very positive, actually, and I try to sort of balance the more horrific news with some spirituality and some in-depth psychology. So I think it's a nice blend for people. And tell me, how did you get into, I suppose, what would be considered an alternative knowledge? Because let's face it, most of us are born within a certain paradigm in a control system, and it's up to us to educate ourselves and break free from it. So how did your journey begin, Soren? It began actually when I was very young, and um, with the kind of feeling that I didn't fit into anything. And uh, so I made my way through life and make some made some changes that people would sort of say, what? But uh, it, it was all good, and I f finally found that there was an idea for me to go into this, what we call the shift or the awakening, uh, but seen more from my point of view, and not sort of taking uh, everything in, but sticking to my own intuition about it. Mm. And, and I think that's quite good. For, for me, it works. And... Uh, there are some, I think, challenges in the shift or the awakening uh, thought, right? Because I don't see any any benefit in external awakening if there isn't an internal awakening at the same time. And that is sort of where I come into the picture uh, with my website, I think, because <clears throat> I think we have a lot of angry people out there with a good right to be angry. And... Um, but I wouldn't suspect the system to change. I would suspect the individual to change, and by there, changing the system, right? Yeah. And um, so that's really a hallmark for me to, to have that opinion. And the website is quite different from a lot of alternative news websites, Soren, in that you do provide um, well a psychological kind of an insight into what it is you're talking about. It's not all doom and gloom. There are quite a number of practical solutions offered. And as you say, it explores the internal as well as the external. It's not just 
anger and righteous anger and that kind of thing. You know, there's a lot more going on there. Yeah, and I think I think that's the way to go. And um, I actually think I, I got a lot of help when I launched it because it actually lived for four or five years in Danish, and then I changed it in November last year to English, right? Yeah, and um, I think I got a lot of help from the right people. Uh, I got a lot of help from my friends in Gartner, and uh, certainly uh, Jeff Rins uh, with Jeff Rins Radio is has been very supportive, and um, so it it kind of took off speed, and I'm very proud of it. And I would imagine that your viewers and the feedback you're getting is from all over the world. But one thing I'm very interested in is the prevalence of the alternative movement in the U.S. Because so much of it seems to be driven by the U.S. And so many people in the U.S. seem to have cottoned on to a lot of information a lot quicker than, say, in Europe. Is that the, I suppose, is that your experience in terms of feedback? And if that's the case, Soren, why do you think that is? What, what is it about the U.S.? I think, uh, seen from my point of view, in um, the access I had to information, if I look at the European newspapers, I don't get any smarter by that. But if I go to the American newspapers, I actually can find some news. And um, I, I found out that in the US, they didn't feel like that. They feel very much that their media is sort of... Uh, holding back and this matrix like it, it, it is of course but they're actually genuine information there also in the, the Australian newspaper so and that came as a surprise for me because I think very much the media scene in Europe is like a 2.5 liter aquarium without any fresh air supply right okay. and and but when I dig in, and I dig in also in mainstream, some mainstream media in the U.S., I actually can pick up information that are good. So I think maybe there's a reason why U.S. citizens, and my website has about 80% hits from um, the U.S., is that there, there are some years ahead of us, actually. I'm, I'm not afraid of saying that because they have access to a whole lot of uh, information. As I mentioned, dear friends, uh, a while ago, he's based in the US, right? And he has actually been on it for almost 20 years. And um, so they kind of had this going upstream culture that we don't seem to have in uh, Europe, for example. And in Australia, it's also getting very claustrophobic but yeah I, if if i would look for information i, I would look to the us certainly for them yeah i find it very interesting because um although i'm based in ireland the over half of the listeners to this show as well are based in the US and there seems to be a very quick uptake from the US and people seem to be very, very open to an alternative view. And I often wondered, is that perhaps because of the prevalence of the control system as we see it over there? Because let's face it, with um, Obama over the last four years and Bush preceding him and going right back in time, the US is more and more looking like a fascist or a communist because there's very little difference, police state. And I think maybe people are starting to rail against that, be it in their own, their, their own minds, if they're not necessarily taking physical action, they are at least cottoning on to what's going on around them, I think, a little bit more than maybe in Europe where we're more cosseted. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think the American spirit, if I can call it that, uh, certainly is is revolutionary still and has a very sound um, approach to authorities, right? So 
You're right. Obama is very weird and Hillary is very weird, but they cannot seem to put a lid on the American spirit. And I so admire the Americans for for standing up still, because it also has some some dangers for them, obviously now. Yeah. And. Uh, I don't think we actually have that in Europe. I, I see it growing in Spain, and I certainly see it growing in Greece. But that is kind of because they are pushed uh, to the edge of the cliff, right? So, so they have to react or dump in. Yeah. Uh, but, but that is not what I pick up from the U.S. There is this very sound skeptic of authorities, and still in the memory of when. U.S. was free, actually, and uh, the last revolution we had here was the French Revolution. It's quite some years ago. So the powers that be in Europe are very well established and very well rooted. And they are so well rooted that people actually don't see them. They only see the wood. They don't see how well attached those powers that be trees really stand. And um, it is horrific. I was talking to a friend in Canada yesterday and she said why is people not dying from cold in Siberia when they're dying from cold in England and there are, have been some horrific headlines that the English people had to choose between heating their houses or having something to eat. I don't know why they don't take to the streets really, I don't know. And um, But I think it's, it's the structure of the European house so to speak uh, that it is invisible. It, it is invisible. And uh, in the U.S., they can easily uh, target powers that be, I think, still, because it's not so well-rooted. And uh, that calls for a fry for freedom, right? I would say, if you don't know you're trapped, you won't need to break free. Uh, and my friends in the U.S., they know they're getting more and more trapped every day and they're trying so hard to break free and I admire them for that, actually. So we, we can use that spirit here. I think, yes, I think that's a um, nail on the head. It's a very interesting perspective, obviously, again, coming from the Irish point of view, because you mentioned Spain and Greece, and Spain and Greece are obviously in, in deep trouble economically and beyond that now at this stage. And to be honest, Ireland isn't too far behind, but the attitude here, the prevalent attitude, is that, oh, things will be all right, they'll come full circle, and people really don't see and don't seem to have an appetite to see what's actually going on. And when you speak about people in England who are dying of cold and who are having to choose between paying one bill or feeding their families, the mortgage situation in Ireland is such and the death grip that the banks have on the people in Ireland is, is that type of thing. So there are families forsaking three meals a day or two meals a day in a lot of cases in favour of paying the banks. And despite the fact that they know something is up, they're not really willing to explore it. It's almost like the old Roman bread and circuses um, strategy as long as there is something to keep people distracted they seem to just be okay in Europe or they think in their own minds that things will be okay whereas in the US it's far more in their faces and they're responding in kind yeah and, and I don't see uh, the US citizens being sort of caught up in the Stockholm syndrome as the European population because we actually have this welfare system in, in Europe where we don't have to start, but we're starved, but we're just, you know, they just feed people to the limit. And um, if you are dependent on the system in order to survive, it's very hard to oppose. So that's rather a sneaky trick. And um, 
So you don't actually see a hostage taker. You vote for them uh, every four years. In, in my country, we vote for them every fourth year. Yeah. And uh, with great joy, apparently. But they just keep people on the edge and they sort of fill them with fear and guilt through the media. Then my The situation here in Denmark is actually there are 160,000 unemployed and that's a high number. We are only about 5 million people, right? Yeah. But there are, there are only 5,000 positions and they keep hammering people to get out and get those jobs but frankly how do we fit 150 people into 5,000 vacancies I don't see it yeah uh, but people buy it you know and if if they say well I, I, I won't go into this matrix of welfare system and being provided for so they can there are several ways of, of punishing them and um, it is so horrific it is so horrific and it's the problem is, it's a reality gap, and I've never been very much fond of the term sheeple. I, I don't like that. I think it's degrading, because if we want to wake up, I would certainly like everybody on board and not sort of think that people are too stupid or too naive to, to wake up uh, at any point. I think there are, but I don't think that people ever have gotten a wake-up call by, by being frightened half to death. They are sort of maybe waking up now and seeing they're caught between a rock and a hard place. And people will go inside their own psychology and I think, whoa, they will actually think, well, it's it's me that, that is wrong. It is There's something wrong with me because I don't see any fairness in this system anymore. And... Um, the, the, the real problem is, and I don't actually have the solution, but it would be, for me, waking people up on a more spiritual, psychological scale and saying, well, do you want this hostage situation or do you want to be free, you know, and kind of dodging the matrix. You, you won't engage the matrix. I don't think anybody sort of would have anything good out of that, but you can, you can sort of curve the ball around the goalkeeper and get in, in, getting it in the goal. And that goes for, you know, I call it the Matrix Mambo, that you're still having this reliance in yourself not to lose your total dignity and not to sort of go into the enslaved prison role of being a hostage, but still having um, the joy of company of your children, company of your friends, and you can engage, you can engage. But the only way I think you can engage is by actually not going into the bunker mode, but opening up and helping people and, uh, you know, offer them services and still making it go around for yourself. I, that's clearly taking place in my country, you know. They, they actually just text firewood. And um, wow. people are moving out of their apartments and living in small summer houses because they cannot afford the heating bill. And the politicians are so clever and think, wow, we better text the firewood because, God damn it, they shall pay, right? So it's, I depend on the Kali Yogi, Yoga, who says, well, when the powers that be there, they will start to tax people in any way out of reason, that is the hallmark of the Kali Yoga. Then it will d dissolve it. It actually says so. And um, people are getting taxed, taxed, taxed. They're living on benefit. And I think it would be a miracle to see if there were some surplus at the end of the month because if everything is, is overtaxed and overpriced. And 
I hold a great respect. I runs I did a post called The Real Heroes of the Matrix where I would sort of go against, you know, the icons of the Matrix and say, well, the real heroes of the Matrix are single moms driving their kids to daycare and getting tattooed by heavy rain every day because they they survive, they survive, they survive. And there is also the psychology of it that when they get home, they're too freaking tired um, to sort of go on the alternative website and find horrific headlines uh, from this and that all over the world. It's too much to take in. Yeah. So I think... I think the the way for me actually, and the way in in sort of my network is actually by providing kindness, by providing solutions. Because I think actually, and I gave it some thought the other week that it has been demolition time. You know, there's a lot of uh, alternative side that is it, it is demolition, 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 not providing solutions. But I think. That can be a rather easy point, you know, always pointing at the things that are wrong, 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 but not providing a solution because that just leaves people in the wild. And um, But the problem of providing solutions is, of course, that you don't want to guide people into a new guidance system. You just want to guide them to the point where they can see their own powers and where they can... Not engage the matrix, but sort of curve curve the ball around the goalkeeper, and and, and still having the joy of having uh, a goal, right? Have, of having joy in their life, and this joy, it is like you have this collective consciousness saying, "Well, you should feel guilt. You should be ashamed. You should uh, you're bad r- role models for your children. You are blah 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 because you don't have work. Well, provide the fucking jobs, right? And uh, if you can, in that, in between that rock and a hard place, still have a good relationship to yourself, still, you know, the Matrix thrive on actually sort of making a collective problem in, individual, right? So you can't pay your bills, so you go to the bank and you're behind on your mortgage and the bank will treat you like you're the only one in the whole world with that problem. And that raises a lot of guilt, right? And so... It's it's just a change, a shift of consciousness, actually, to tell the bank, well, I'm certain there has been 700 here before me today with the same issue. I think you should solve it, actually, not me. And I won't move out of my house, right? So, and if you go to the unemployment office and there's kind of put the blame on you that you you don't have a job, you can't provide for yourself or your family... They treat you like you're the only one in the, in the whole country that'll be in Denmark, that'll be in Ireland, that'll be in Spain, that'll be in Greece. It's your freaking fault. No, it is not. And I think a minor shift in consciousness where people won't participate in this blame game and say, well, actually, dear unemployment office, you have a problem. You cannot provide me with a job. So I think I go home and you can just phone me in 10 years if there is a job, right? Because I would like to spend the day with my kids in in the woods, okay? Yeah. And um, that's where they have people. And I think a shift that is really needed is that people are getting that this is not individual problems. This is a collective problem and won't take that the bank or the finances or the unemployment system or the education system say, well, you're 
obviously too stupid to make a living, so we have to punish you now. And um, if people can curve that ball and say, well, yeah, but we are, as in my country, 150,000. So um, what are you going to do about that? And um, the reason why people don't say it is the fear of the punishment of um, the government, right? Yeah. So they're not co-working. And if they're not co-working with the government matrix drone, they are a problem and they can be, their welfare can be taken away from them because they are not complying. It's mm -hmm. so horrific. And, um, but that is, I see very much here in Europe, also in the US actually, that the matrix it's meant, is making this mind bending of saying, well, it is your problem. And no, it isn't. It is a global problem, actually, right? And if people could go to those nasty situations, then they have to unplug from the situations being nasty in, in, the, in the first place. But if they just take it up on an impersonal level and say, well, it is not entirely my problem, is it? And they would address it to the politicians they actually have elected into parliament. Oh my God, it's it's so theater-based, it's so matrixified. Yeah, it's hard to. It's actually hard to find words to cover it. This is a great deception, but we can take our power if we address ourselves and um, understand that we are we are actually a part of an organism that is unemployed. We are part of an organism that cannot pay for our house. It's not us. We are uh, many fish in that ocean, but we don't see the other fish when the surf is high and the surf is very high on a, on a collective level right now. Mm -hmm. so, so I think I would like to sort of approach, engage the matrix sort of on a very personal slash impersonal level and actually leave the problem to the matrix. Because the matrix seems to have a lot of fun in leaving the problem with the individual. <laughs> yeah. That's clever. And it is clever, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's what imprisons so many people, be it mentally or physically, because the product that we're being sold is the great lie of democracy and that we're the ones with the power. But essentially, the system can't work unless we transfer our power straight back to them. And that's what we've been almost tricked into. And I think it is a bit of a con job that most people have been tricked into giving their personal power back to the system and that they feel that they are almost like serfs and that they have to do what the system then, and when I say the system, obviously, or the matrix, we're talking about controls and government and authority and that kind of thing. And I think when people do give their power away, suddenly they are left with the struggle and with unemployment and with that downtrodden feeling. And that's where the Stockholm Syndrome that you speak about comes in. And I think if people on an individual level, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is my reading of what you're saying, Soren, if people take that power back on a day-to-day -day small level initially, it becomes much easier to subconsciously influence people without preaching around you and eventually a tipping point point will be reached whereby the people will have the power again and that the politicians if that's the system we choose to engage with will have to do our bidding rather than the other way around which is currently the case yeah because there's a guilt shift right it's, it's a blame game and we need to transcend that yeah you're you're totally right you're, yeah 
So, uh, yeah, the, the message I'm getting from you loud and clear is it's the little things that count initially because we can't change the bigger picture without changing the little things. And that starts from within. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's also part of maybe spirituality, part of sin or part of Tao, you know, that it is this constant pressure, constant gentle pressure, right? It can move a rock. Um, and I'm when I engage with people, I, I would say to them, don't throw rocks in the water. Uh, it'll You'll get wet. Throw pebbles in, right? Mm. And... Um, enough pebbles in a lake it'll stress the water surface tremendously right and um, and I actually don't see a matrix strategy for avoiding this if people actually can go out of this guilt prison that they're in your you as you're t talking about right yeah uh, because they are hanging people in bad conscience and guilt and um, and if people were to get the tools to sort of detach from that, I actually see this very kind, quiet, and very persistent revolution coming up. And um, I would very much fear uh, high-impact revolution from certain individuals because it'll be like the Who song, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. And um, that is for me a problem if we engage in you know the hero and we need a savior and we need this and we need that no we need everybody in europe to stand on their own feet and not having guilt whether their country owes the shitloads of money or they do themselves and as long as money is involved in this it'll all it'll always be a trap so you have to actually also detach emotionally from financial issues and look at money quite neutral and then you can handle it you know because it is actually only money and it is digits on the screen it's not real so it is a great deception a great great deception but i don't think that i can engage with people by sort of being very angry or being very hostile uh, to the matrix, I think I can approach it by saying, yeah, I spotted you, and uh, I'll try to uh, avoid sort of the, the more nasty approaches and, and go around the side and engage them from there. I, f I see that as a good strategy, as I pointed out in, I did a post called The Hot People, right? Yeah. And I, I did it after I was talking to people all over the globe. And I think, whoa, they're sort of in the same spot. They're kind of bewildered and where to go now. But common for them were that they actually have had detached emotionally from the matrix and had some detachment from the money issue. You know, they don't ever take money personal. Um, and they're kind of standing sort of in, in waiting line. And I could see with those people within a couple of years, they'll be quite okay. They'll actually be able to use their abilities, which are quite strong and very freedom-thriving people and very gentle, very kind. And not in a new age, cliche way of thinking, but rather what I would call a very sober spirituality, not drunk, but sober. Yeah. That we want, we want a new system here and we want to engage in a new system with our spirituality without the conception of a long-bearded God in the sky, but, you know, sort of more the Gaia thought, the, the everything is connected thought without it going tripping like uh, hippies, but very sober actually, but coming to that point, 
those people at the same time I actually thought were so amazing. So I wanted to write something to cheer them up and say, well, you're not alone. And it's quite smart that you haven't met all the other people uh, that are waiting for this yet, because the Matrix can dissolve a gathering, but it cannot... It cannot mess with an open heart, right? And um, so I actually see that. I, I think I found out in, in those months where I really engaged with people all over the the globe that in a couple of years the matrix will be gone. And um, because I, I saw them pre prevailing uh, by talking to them, it can sound a little strange, but that was actually what I saw. And um, so it fits well. I think in 2014, 15, 16, the, there will be another climate, another psychological climate. And the Matrix won't hold this tidal wave down, I can assure you that, because people don't give a shit about the Matrix punishment. They know where they are. It's not like when I... When I did that, I actually thought of the former Czechoslovakian president called Václav Havel, right? Yeah. And um, I read a beautiful book from him many, many years ago, which he wrote in jail. It's called Letters to Olga, His Wife. And um, I, have I have written many books about being present in now, in the moment, right? Yeah. And actually, he wrote something very beautiful. I didn't know about him, that he was actually very spiritual, and he did yoga and so stuff. He was very interested in uh, ancient philosophies. But he wrote to his wife, and it made a huge impact on me. And I actually thought that he provided me with a high-impact turning point in my way of thinking, because he wrote to Olga. Now I know how to survive torture, he wrote. He was tortured in prison. And um, he wrote, If I don't remember the beating I just had, and I don't participate another beating, I'll always just get one. That was actually a very good recipe for being present in the now, right? Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, so he know he, he has got a lot of beaten and electrical shocks, and uh, but he kept that out of his mind, and he didn't see any more coming, and that, so he he only got one electrical shock at a time, and that's why he survived torture, and I thought, whoa, this was something to dive into, and actually it's a good way of thinking. It's not sort of putting your head in the bush or, or de denying facts. It's a survival strategy, and I actually think that it fits well with the situation as we discussed before, you know. If people don't think, well, I had a shitty four, life, four years life here and it's been a downturn, 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 but I certainly don't expect it to continue. So I'll stick with the now. And how am I now? How, am I good? Am I, am I loving? Am I loved? Uh, am I surrounded by joy? Yes, I am. Okay, I'll stick with that emotion. And... Um, I think that's a powerful place to be in order to sort of say that to yourself, right? I think so. And I think that most of uh, the big controlling factor is always fear. And be it fear of the next mortgage payment or be it fear of torture or electroshock or whatever it might be, that's always the, the big, big problem for people. Quite often when people remove the fear and are able to detach themselves from that, they find that their problems dissolve and disappear in a lot of cases as well, because they're able to remove that emotion of fear. And it is the thing that binds people into the system. I suppose another tactic that's used is the whole uh, 
the idea of uh, division and control through division. If you're not with me, you're against me. And it's something since, since I started down my path and doing this radio show and that kind of thing, I've noticed that you'll get a lot of flack thrown your direction and people will say, oh, well, uh, have you got the tinfoil hat on? You're mad, you're this, that and the other. And it's almost like people split into two camps. And I think it, it's, it's the us and them type attitude which divides and makes people very easy to control and my attitude as time goes on initially that used to anger me but now it's a case of um, just just let that flow off me because if I don't let it affect me well then it's not going to influence my emotions in a negative way and I'm not going to see the person who are probably just projecting their own fears or insecurities onto me in a negative way either and let's face it negativity is not going to help anybody in this situation. No, no, it isn't. And it's also, it's very interesting you say us and them, right? Because that is kind of what is behind the whole sheep label, right? Yeah. And there's us, you know, the awakened ones, and then there's all the sheep. And then actually we're thinking like, we're thinking like New World Order. We're thinking like the rabbis. We're thinking like nasty pricks. It's not us and them. It's all, right? But the... You're right, the emotional environment is highly contagious, right? So we have to very much, I think, be very alert of where we put ourselves. Also, with other people or in the positions we put ourselves, we don't want to get into low-frequency vibrations of fear and people sort of trying to keep us in order. Yeah. And uh, so there I can see a, a slight division that can be very good because you need your power to do the things you do and I need the power to do the things I do and I cannot sort of give in to low vibrations I have to stick with my own and um, but I think I would very much like respect of the people who are in the matrix every day who are very scared who cannot see a way out the first thing we must do is respect those people if we cannot love them uh, <laughs> i hold no illusion of that yeah but we we can respect them and say well you're in a nasty place but you can't see it but i'm here today you want to wake up right we we cannot pressure them because they are pressured from so many sides on so many levels so that they, they will just crack and nobody has has awakened from cracking it it can provide a personal psychological awakening but Oh my God, we don't want to give people a nervous breakdown because we have the mainstream media to do that every day. Absolutely. And I think, I think on, on some awakening side, it is, it is a poor strategy and I don't go to this side anymore that hammers out. You are so uneducated, you have to wake up and you're, you're a sheep and blah, 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 blah. It's us and them. It's like Bush. Either you're with us or you're against us. And uh, I'm having a problem with integrating that thought. So I, I'd rather stick with, yes, you are a potential awakener and I certainly hope you'll awake someday because you're, you're, getting, you're getting thrown around from guilt to guilt to guilt to guilt and uh, that'll make people crack. We actually have a lot of people, I find it very interesting, going down with post-traumatic stress disorder because they cannot find a job, right? And um, that would statistically take 2.5 years to get over. So they walk away uh, within the next couple of years because you are so down. It's so, it's so horrific to, to be in that stress situation. Yeah. 
And I think it's it's very important and incumbent on people to be very mindful of other people's situations as well because we all start off pretty much from the same place and find some people might have their own personal awakenings um, more quickly than others. But at the end of the day, as you say, we are all potentially awake and it's a case of being mindful of other people and not not being too hard on them because they might be in a particular place that we probably were at some point and, and remember that we were at some point as well because people have different rates of uh, of personal empowerment and that's key. Everybody's different. Yeah, and, and I cannot say I'm fully awake and there's still some points I need to wake up on. I know that. But, you know, I'm partly awake <laughs> and, and that's all I can hope for now, you know, and, and getting clearer and clearer every day. But actually, I, I moved to this beautiful seaside city in the, the summer, right? Yeah. And it's one of the most beautiful spots in my country. And when I walk after dark, there is no one at the beach. There is no one using the, the real tranquility of this place. And when the streets are from the 1700th century and when I, when I come back from nature, you know, I have to walk this, the narrow streets and they are kind of bluish, lightening up in a futuristic landscape, all the flat screens inside the apartment. It's, it's so sad. Yeah. And, you know, people would go and buy candy and so they'll get this matrix hammering and they'll eat sugar and they are in a hypnotic state of mind. It's very clever. Mm-hmm. It's Ever, actually I had a lot of bugging uh, when I moved into the apartment because I wanted an internet but I didn't want TV <laughs> they couldn't they couldn't deliver the internet if I didn't want TV you know oh, okay. so it's kind of stuff through your throat right we had a, in Denmark we actually had a psychology professor go out last summer and say that people young people who did not watch the news they were sort of in the treason category of their country oh my god wow yeah that's a heavy statement right well that's huge and i can say from personal experience as somebody who used to lap up the news on a daily basis and multiple times a day since i abandoned television and in particular abandoned the mainstream news it's been the best thing ever for my own state of mind because Every now and again, for example, we had a budget in Ireland in the last week and it's doom and gloom and there are austerity measures all over the place and everybody's up in arms because the government, surprise, surprise, have lied to us again and everybody's going to be poor overnight if you listen to the mainstream media. Now, I managed to avoid the vast majority of this probably for the first time in my life because we have an annual budget in this country and... As a result, the budget didn't affect me. I wasn't depressed for two or three days after it. I wasn't discussing it with all and sundry and saying, oh, things are terrible. And as a result, I wasn't affected by negative energy or negative vibrations and I wasn't dragged down. But that is the power of the media. And as you say, when you describe the blue lights in every house, I can see that every day of the week. If if I look out my window, I live in a housing estate and... After six o'clock in the evening, every single front room window, it's that blue light. And I'm not saying that everything on television is bad, but there is an awful lot of absolute shite on TV that people shouldn't be feeding their minds with. Far be it from me to tell people what to do, but all I can say is, in my experience, when I stopped feeding that negativity, it was one of the most empowering things I've ever done. Yeah, and you kind of get in a situation where you have your consciousness to yourself, and I think that's rather nice. Yeah. Because I, I noticed, I gave up a TV a couple of years ago. I'm still, I can still watch it, but very s- selective, right? Yeah. 
But I actually find that my mind sort of got more and more tranquil uh, because it wasn't occupied with all questions that really didn't matter. And uh, so my discovery was, yes, there wasn't any, there wasn't that much thought suddenly, and there wasn't that much activity into stress, as you mentioned, and and. Uh, they would always take you on an on an emotional agenda in in the television, and you don't need that. I, I don't think that anyone can give me an emotion, and anyone can give you an emotion, but they can stir up the emotions we have inside, right? Yeah. So there will still be. So that's really the hallmark of manipulation. If if somebody comes and says to you, "Well, John, you're such a nice guy. I want to marry you tomorrow," you can say, "What?" The? You you can say, wow, really? You know, it depends on your software, your emotional software, where this person can trigger you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so all they actually do in in the media is they sort of stir an anger, they stir a confusion that's already there. They don't provide one single emotion. They are playing the spectator's emotions like a fiddle. And that that actually is a matrix that we think we I cannot ever give you an, an emotion. I cannot. But I can express myself in a way that would stir up an emotion in you of joy or pain or guilt or fear or laughter, right? Yeah. And uh, I think if people really were to engage in that and say, well, I have to take responsibility for my own emotions here, as goes for my own consciousness, because we are actually brought up in a society where consciousness often equals emotions, right? Yeah. And uh, if we can take responsibility of our emotions and say, well, I don't need my anger to be stirred up. I'm still working to get it out of my system and the media will feed it every day. No, 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 I, I don't want that. I know what to watch and what not to watch in order to keep myself calm, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's very important. I think absolutely. And it comes back to the whole thing of self-empowerment and taking responsibility for oneself also. One thing I would like to talk about, Soren, is forgiveness, because I have found in my own personal journey that it can be quite a, quite disruptive and has been quite disruptive in my life. And a lot of things have changed. And as a result, certain people in my life have, I suppose, gone away and they haven't necessarily been able to relate to me as I am now and vice versa. And one thing that I certainly have struggled with over the last number of years is forgiveness. Because say, for example, you have a big row with somebody or something happens or in a relationship, somebody does something that they, that they shouldn't do. I think one of the big drivers of fear, and certainly the media are very much responsible for this, um, Hollywood to a large degree as well, and TV programs, is th this whole not being able to forgive and forget and they cutting people necessarily 100% out of your life just because of some small minor incident and blowing things completely out of proportion and playing to emotions, as you said. So in terms of forgiveness, how can somebody, or how could I improve my forgiveness skills and just become a little bit more transient in terms of that? Would you have a solution to that? I know you've written about it in the past. I have, but, but, but I have to base my answer on the emotion, emotional matrix that we are responsible for our own emotions, right? So yeah. the people we would perceive that we would need to forgive, they are actually just triggers of these emotions. And by seeing that, I think 
I think uh, a vast majority of people we have to forgive. We can take responsibility on our own and say, well, thank you for giving me uh, insight into that I'm still angry, that I'm still jealous, that I'm still hateful, and and so on. And But my take on it is if that we don't blame somebody, we don't have to forgive. But that would acquire a very open mind because we can go around and actually be abused and not knowing we're abused and then it'll be a very poor strategy we have to sort of uh, we have to look at the consciousness i think but i use the trick if i run into people who who are very nasty to me and so i just say thank you inside and i touch it and i don't take it to bed and that is sort of my marker if i if it's still on in my head when i go to sleep and if it's still on my my head in my head the next day there's something there I need to work on. But I don't necessarily agree that we should forgive all in sort of, if it's based on a new age cliche, because I met a lot of real nasty people who are preaching forgiveness, right? Yeah. And I think, I think for me, it comes with the responsibility of saying, whoa, did you release that feeling in me? Could you really do that? Where where did my power go? Since since you were able to give me shame or guilt, uh, or you got angry with me, or whatever, and um, so instead of looking outside and placing the blame there, I'd rather go inside and say, "Well, well, well, you're not through hating it, are you? Or you're not through sort of putting brands on other people and judging what they do?" And I find that kind kind of very uninteresting right now in the point I am in my life. I'm not making myself better than anybody else, but I, I, I found out that my forgiveness software has lowered down because I'm not confronted with uh, the need to forgive anymore. And uh, so I let it be. But actually, uh, if I return to the start of our conversation, it is very hard to forgive the things that are going on on a collective scale because they impact so many people, right? And that, I frankly don't have a solution to right now. I wish I had, but I still have anger. I still have politicians. I still have things in the matrix that make me totally angry and I can go totally ballistic, but it'll last an hour and then I'll calm down. And But I also think that's a good drive. That's a good drive. Um, anger can be a healing feeling let's face it all the emotions that we have are there for a reason they're all trying to tell us something and i think it's up to us to to learn to be able to decode the messages that we are receiving through our emotions and even what we perceive to be negative emotions i think can be positive if we know what to do with them yeah and it is it is sort of a uh, a trick I, I used it as a trick in the start where i sort of wanted to get into the practice as uh, we started upon if we go to the bank and if we go to the unemployment office and they they will really sort of give us a bad self-esteem a bad internal emotional climate we can easily dodge that by saying i won't allow you to to raise these feelings in me i will not allow you to feed these feelings so i stick with myself and my own tranquility and knowing that i'm a fish in the sea and you have this problem with i have this problem along with 150 others so you're very welcome to be mad at me but listen you promised me when i voted for you 
that you will solve this. And it frankly, it just got worse, didn't it? So back with the problem. Absolutely. And as somebody who's quite centered, how important is food and diet and the substances that we ingest in all of this from, for you on a personal level, Soren? It's extremely important. I, I'm not sort of in a healthy thrive all the time, but I, I know, and thanks to also the sites we were discussing, you know, there's a lot of information out there, which, which I think is very good. It's very, it can be life altering. And um, the more I think we awake, the more we cannot absorb the food the matrix is providing so we have to go elsewhere we have to if i were to get the things i would really need to keep up a healthy day as i would like i actually have to drive <clears throat> 80 kilometers to get it because it is not coming in the supermarkets the things i want yeah. so I have, so i have to go to special markets and um, so and so they had made it quite difficult to get the really good stuff right but um, <clears throat> I think people are also in Europe waking up to more ecology-like uh, eating. And um, yeah, but it is very important because the physical vehicle would correspond with the more emotional, spiritual one. And if it is too unbalanced, you won't have sort of, in my view, a healthy development without without sort of hostage taking the word healthy but uh, <clears throat> I eat what I like and uh, I try to eat as much green as I can and go into raw foods but it is also a problem uh, sometimes to, to get the things I really want it is actually easier I think in the US <laughs> to get these things yeah, well, I can relate to that 100% and it's going to be very interesting to see what way the uh, control system plays out the division and dispersion of food with GMO and that kind of thing in the future. But uh, I think very much the onus is on us to, to well, well, to seek out what it is exactly that we need to fuel the, uh, the physical body because it's a very, very important thing. And, I mean, as, as beings who are, in a lot of cases, trapped in a physical five-sense reality... We know there's a lot more, and uh, even science is starting to show us there's a lot more beyond that. And one of the areas that fascinates me, Soren, is ESP, or an extrasensory perception. And I know this is something that's uh, quite close to your heart and you know quite a bit about, so um, I think we're going to do a, a little bit of an experiment here. Uh, t tell, us, tell us what we're going to do with ESP. Oh, I don't know. You sent me a photograph of you, right? Yeah, we'll put that photo up on the website so anybody can see it there on alchemyradio.net. Yeah, and it's because I have used I have used ESP in my work uh, since actually the last twenty years. I've been using it with <clears throat> I have worked with uh, abused sexually abused young people and children, and I have worked with disabled people, and um, and then I have done I do a lot of readings and I do a lot of talks where I would uh, give a demonstration of ESP, but because I don't think it's special. Actually, I, did, I think I, I did a post about it, and uh, <clears throat> my point is that I actually think that it is the five senses that are extra. We come with this, I call them cosmic senses, you know, yeah. and uh, if, you, if you've ever been around a baby, you would know they're very alert, they're very vigilant, not fear-based, but they actually take in, and there's been a lot of 
research into um, pregnancies and what the baby can perceive by, while being in the womb, and it's quite amazing. So actually, it it would give me the idea that we come with this very, very beautiful scanner uh, of emotions, but we cannot pinpoint it. Um, but I think that the ESP is something we all have within our reach. We just need to practice it. We need to go beyond the five senses in order to use it. I don't think it, to me, it holds no mysticism. To me, it holds no sort of guru-like uh, position. It is, it, it is a skill that we have access to. And I think, actually, the Matrix fear it very much because if we can base our going around in the Matrix on intuition, we are not sort of going into that uh, hostage situation because we would know that there is something significantly bigger than the matrix and that is within ourselves and outside ourselves actually mm -hmm. so so i very much like the thought of using the esp what we refer to as extrasensorial perception in order to make our way through this i think it's fair to call them a couple of dark years we are facing now and then we will come out of the woods and um, i think that's good i see a lot of without going into that i think there's a lot of mysticism about it that isn't reasonable and there's another new age talk about indigo children and crystal kids and whatever the name is they're just souls coming in that has a different vibration i, I think and they're very alert they have no actually no bullshit filter if they see a, an adult talking to them and they, they pick up that the adult is not genuine, he's not speaking uh, what he really thinks, they disengage. And the Matrix would call them, you know, they're not able to concentrate. No, no, please, the baby says, I'm listening to bullshit. Can we get, <laughs> can we get further on, right? Yeah. So I actually think it's, it's very interesting. And also, all the efforts in giving them vaccines in Sweden, they are not allowed in some kindergartens in Sweden. The children are not allowed to say he or she. They are not allowed to address each, each other's sex. They are sort of, they are mind-bending those uh, very young people, children, at a very early age. And I think they're quite aware of what they're doing. So, yeah. Amazing. I mean, the, the development of children is something that's fascinating because I think we could actually learn so much from children if we care to observe what's actually going on. And I think there are certain abilities that kids have, especially at a very young age, that we tend to lose as life gets in the way. Yeah, and yeah, through school. And uh, when school starts, we go logic, right? And we're told it is wrong not to go logic. Yeah. And um, I spent my 10 years in preschool of daydreaming and looking out the window and they hammered me all the time but it was quite more interesting what took place outside the window in, inside the classroom right? yeah i can and relate that, to that that was my mind drifting and uh, so it actually were good years <laughs> i managed school i just did and it was good for daydreaming but the, the sort of penalty system involved with that that was quite nasty right yeah but um, yeah, I think I kept, I, when I was uh, a boy, I had a very strong intuition. I saw, I didn't know what it was. 
I saw auras, I saw ghosts, I saw the whole thing. And um, then I started to kiss the girls in my younger years, and then I packed it up. But then it came back when I was 30, and I've used it since. But I think that we actually can boost our ESP by just acknowledging that it is there and going by intuition. And often we would open a wrong door in the start. That's natural. It's like learning to drive on a bicycle, right? We have to, we have to try it, and then we'll be, can, we can be quite good. Yeah, yeah. And there is this sort of aura about it that when you use your intuition, you shouldn't be wrong. Why not? Why not? Because it, it is practice, right? It is practice, practice, practice. And so I think that if people would pick up their ESP, it would be a very good thing, actually. I think absolutely. I mean, the, the, the more, uh, I suppose, non, I was going to say non-conformist, but non-control system um, abilities and talents that we use, the better it's going to be for, for all of us on a personal and collective level. Yeah, and I think we always have this dialogue within us. That if we listen to a politician in, on TV, right, there would be a little voice inside our head going, ah, I don't trust you. Yeah. And then logic will go in. And you have to vote. You have to vote. And uh, he, is, he is maybe the best choice out of 10 poor choices, right? Yeah. But I would like to stop at, at the intuitive thought of there's something completely wrong here, but we are so geared into logics that our logics will go in and say, well, you cannot base this on a hunch, you cannot base this on a feeling. Um, so uh, away with that, and it goes extremely fast, uh, that communication inside our emotional nervous system, where we would also very much like somebody to to save us from all this. We are in now unemployment and bad economy and all that. And uh, we have to get out of that software and we have to listen to this inside, that it's not based on logic, that it's not based on emotions actually, because if you cannot use your, I cannot use my intuition when I'm too emotional. If I sit with a person and I would talk to them and give them a reading, I have to very much watch out that I'm very neutral in my... I Maybe like, maybe I, I like them the, the instant I see them, right? Mm. And maybe I'm a little bit cautious because there's something about them that I don't like. But if, it, if I, I would allow that to interfere with my intuition, I, I couldn't do it. And um, the same goes for, I think, people who don't work with the intuition. They have to get out of that, as we talked about, the emotional software, and take it in a more tranquil state of mind without um, emotions running up and down on our emotional nervous system. And that is why, actually, meditation and a good night's sleep and going out into nature is so ESP boosting. You don't have to pay $5,000 for a fancy seminar. You can actually take a walk by the beach or walk in the woods and you can feel your intuition connecting with the ocean and connecting with the life in the wood. And just allow it to go there and it'll, it'll kind of grow. It'll kind of grow. You don't need somebody actually to tell you how to do it because you have it in you. Yeah, and I think if people are aware of it, that's the first step. And then it's a case of nurturing it and, as you say, practicing it uh, as time goes on. Yeah, that's the only way. Won't strike you as lightning. I have never experienced that. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a long haul, but, and it, it will get sharper and sharper. But if it isn't 
used in any way. It, it, it's just a tool that are not used. Uh, just collect dust. So that's it. Yeah, and um, well, it's something that I'm fascinated with. And uh, t t tell us what we're going to do as an experiment, Soren. And now I would just look at your picture and uh, and say some things to you. Is is, the, is that okay? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, it is that you're sort of entering. I think you have felt it um, in uh, about three or four months, maybe a half year now. That there is sort of an I know on on one scale I have to address because I see things in pictures, right? So I have pictures in front of me, but you should have been had. You should have had a couple of very busy years from you were 31 to 33, right? Absolutely. With a lot of um, professional and personal challenges. And now you're sort of thinking, I think, whoa, I'm feeling a little bit empty now. I'm feeling sort of, where am I heading now? And um, so it is like you have been driving on this road and you now park your car by the side of the road and think, I need to check out my direction now because the years to come is extremely important. And if you have had that hunch, you're quite right. But I think you will change your ways, actually, uh, because it seems like that you are discussing with yourself, how do I align my passion, my emotions on a high... When I say the word emotions, I mean high-level emotions, right? Yes. And how do I align them more into the work I really would like to do? And that is why you can feel, I, I, I would prefer to call it a, a tone of emptiness, sort of what to fill in now. And the way to go, I think, would to be aligned. If life were a railroad track, you know, we could say that one track would be our emotional uh, software and the other would be the more logical one. But what you're entering now is actually 2.5 years where, you're, where you will align those tracks and make them into one. So it would be very good if you have thought the thought that, yeah, what I'm doing now is extremely important. Uh, I wouldn't suppose right now you would feel so innovative as you have done within the last couple of years. There are some mechanisms holding you back, and there should be, because you need to get your emotional software more attached to what you are doing. And uh, I think you're on a 2.5-year schedule now, where I see you actually prevailing with the things you want to do uh, when you reach about... 36.5 years of age, 37 years of age, you'll kind of be standing on a mountaintop and says, yes, I made it. But the problem is to that mountaintop that you have to climb and climb and climb. And um, it is all about actually you coming out with this huge creative consciousness that you have. Because as I gather from our conversation and your very good radio station, you are extremely awake uh, you're also extremely creative and that can be uh, a job to take on right mm -hmm. yeah and, and also connecting with it because i think the the reason why i mention emotions uh, so much is that you express yourself through your work you express emotions right and um, i think you're dealing with music okay yeah so it has to be uh, all, I, I, that's the way I perceive music. It doesn't have to be your perception, but I've, it's always an emotional statement. Uh, uh, so you 
till you're going deeper and deeper. And I wouldn't be surprised if you were to make something or you're having on your drawing board that would more connect with the in-depth psychology of other people where you would very much like through your music to address their subconscious and um, not in order to hypnotize them but in order to sort of make it grow, make it grow, make it like, like a beautiful flower, you know, and when that flower would reach people knows they were actually about to see. Yeah. <laughs> If you do that, that could be extremely exciting. And uh, I don't know if you have a plan, but actually I see you doing that And uh, within the next two years. So you dive deeper and deeper into the lake. And um, you're also very good at rhythms. I think you like. You like. Um, and rhythms is, in my point of view, very interesting because they correspond with our pulse and with our heartbeat. And... Uh, I think you actually are discovering something about rhythm and spirituality and also maybe, it sounds a little bit crazy, but I'll say it, rhythms for the awakening. That could be a good album title, I think. Well, so. I have to say, Soren, I'm blown away by what you're saying because not only can I relate to everything you've just said, but... Uh, some of what you've said is is almost prophetic in terms of uh, the plans that I've been making and the roads that I would like to go down. And your, the analogy of the parked car is, well, it's it's acute because that's exactly where I am right now. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm blown away by what you've just said. That's amazing. Thank you. And and you are in a situation now where you can't push it, and you know that. You have to wait for the for sort of the inner life to approach the more productive out of life yeah, yeah. and that that you cannot push because it's so delicate what goes on inside you it's it's actually a huge transformation where you also are getting all these subconscious things up and look and they needed to be addressed and they needed to be looked at and as you go for the next 2.5 years you will actually find that if you were to make a do you make your own kind of music right yeah uh, if you made a piece next week, you wouldn't relate to it in two years. Why the hell did I make that? <laughs> because it is there's really so much development, and it is funny sometimes where we think, you know, we have this. I used the expression you had your car park, right? Yeah. And we don't think we're going anywhere. Whoa, you're really going somewhere. And when we are in that car, you know, and we feel life is sort of going down in pace and we feel a little bit of emptiness that's rather healthy and um, speaking of the matrix you know if that feeling of emptiness were to expand they would actually call it a depression right but for a lot of people it isn't it's kind of a spiritual depression but it's i don't know quite how to say that this but as we as you go down that lake as you go down to the bottom of your in a lake, you will find yourself being in what could be interpreted as a sad mood or a melancholic mood, but it's okay, you just need to dive because it, it, is, it is the price of that ride. So it's good. Well, there's a lot of stuff there for me to think about and feel and take on board, uh, both in the heart and mind, because I think key certainly is to try and get both working in tandem but do you think also when, when you think two years ahead that you will be making this kind of music who will make have an appeal to the subconscious to the spiritual 
Well, it's something that I've always been fascinated by and something that hasn't... Well, it's been at the back of my mind for a long time, but has come particularly in the last six months to the forefront. And it's something that I've been delving deeper and deeper into. And that's exactly where I can feel myself going as opposed to see myself going. I, I can't see the path yet, but I can feel that that's the direction that, that things need to take for me on a personal level. Yeah. And I see you're very much combining that with your very special gifts of rhythms you like. You really dig rhythms, right? Yeah, every, everything is about rhythm for me. <laughs> to the point where if I'm driving a car and the car wipers are on, um, in my mind, I'll have to sync those with some a song I'm listening on the radio. Or it's it's crazy. Everything is about rhythm for me, and rit- there's a fluidity in rhythm that when when it's working for me, I feel more harmonious with my surroundings. And when it's not, there's a kind of unease, and it's very difficult for me to articulate at times. But yeah, rhythms are a big part of uh, of my daily existence, even aside from music. Yeah, it's a very special gift you have, and and I think. There would be a lot of esoteric things about rhythm, actually, the way it corresponds with our heartbeat, our pulse, our, um, maybe our frequency. Mm. It's, it, it's interesting. You'll figure it out. Absolutely. And I, I look forward to filling you in on where things are going. But over the next um, the next couple of years, Soren, on a broader scale, where, where do you see humanity or the world or the matrix going or where will we be once it comes to 2015 2016 will the world be a very different place or will people just be very different within themselves i think they'll be very different within themselves because i think that we are very close to the to the 22nd december right yeah and no 21st sorry and we were close to the 21st December. And that would mark the five years of the of a shift, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that <clears throat> some people will go down uh, because they don't understand uh, how to... As, I, as we spoke upon earlier, I think the shift is very much internal, aligning with the external. And But there is also an external pressure, right? And some people can cope with it and some people can't. But I actually see, I don't see, I was very pleased that I heard an interview with Jeff Rins. It was called The Next Four Years, where he kind of said that he didn't think that there will be a financial breakdown uh, because the elite didn't want that because they thrive on the financial system, right? Yeah. And that kind of resonated with me because <clears throat> I had actually uh, sort of foreseen that the euro would fall about 10 times now. It hasn't fallen yet. So something is obviously keeping it up and the dollar is still around. And um, I've seen a lot of people, you know, also intuitive people saying, well, in uh, 2008 it'll go down and we had the financial crisis. And then they said 2011, 2010. But it seems like the financial system is somehow holding on. But I think that the way it'll go down is that people will disengage from it. So they'll sort of hollow it out. And and if they cannot use that as a bait, as a pressure uh, cooker for ordinary people, but they kind of make up their own economy, I think that would be a very good way to take the matrix economy down without 
because of what Jeff said really resonated with me, and it went contradictive of, of my belief, but that's somehow a blessing, right? Yeah. So I think that people will disengage. They actually do in Spain. There are several villages who have um, taken back the peseta, and um, they're dodging the euro, and they're making up their own economy. And they do the same in Greece, and um, that would be a big threat to the matrix. Actually, people, you know, switching stuff and using old uh, currencies that aren't valid anymore, but they could easily use stones, right? Yeah, of course, because I think it's the power that we attach to the pieces of paper that make it become money or currency. Yeah, it's 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 just a trading. It's just for trading, right? And. Uh, <clears throat> So it could be also two hens and I have a pound of tomatoes, right? And that's actually what they are doing some places in Spain and Greece. And I have kept an eye on it and I think, well, when are the powers that be going to hit down hard on this? But they haven't, actually. Mm. And if if people are starting to do that all over the world, there are some places in, in U.S. also where they kind of have a trade economy. And... Uh, I see that as taking. Uh, I don't see uh, the stock markets taking the dollar or the euro down. I think that thought, I, I, I cannot see that anymore. So I think it'll be people power and that kind of basis on services. Well, it's going to be an exciting time. There's no doubt about that. I think the excitement has already begun. And personally, I think we're very privileged and lucky to be uh, experiencing our own particular points of attention right now in this time in human history because there's so much happening and so much about to happen. And personally, I think um, in the long term, it's, it's going to be positive. It is. It is. And I think it is. And I think that I discussed it with my friends and Gartner. And we discussed 2012, right? And and sort of the thought of not be as, as you are saying, it's a very exciting time to be here. But I also think we sort of wanted to be here, and I think that there are some very powerful, strong souls out there who can make things easier for us and help us in our inspirations. And I think that the universe actually played it, has played some very good cards. Yeah. In in placing the right people at the right time. And um, I, I see it everywhere. I see it in the young people. I see, I see them disengaging from the matrix. I see it in um, older people. I see people, you know, making their way by switching goods. And um, the control system is looking out for that here in Denmark, certainly. But um, people are doing it anyway. Well, yes, as you say, it is very exciting, Soren, and I think it's a very good note to leave things for today. Um, tell us about your website before we go anywhere, because I strongly recommend it. I think people should check it out. Yeah, zenhaven.com. So that's zen-haven for, uh, for, for those people who mightn't have been on it before. And what can people expect from the site over as we go into 2013 and over the next while? They can expect uh, <clears throat> some... Uh, not so many news, but some more original material. I start over, okay? Yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> they can expect some more original material. I have a great friendship with Stuart Weil and uh, St. Gardner, and I will be posting myself uh, more thoroughly through next year, because I think actually 2014 are very critical years, and as we talked about in the start, I see the demolition stopping now, and we, we need to build up. We need to inspire people or 
sort of on a daily basis and not going into the enormous grand big design but going into the design that people can relate to and thereby bringing the matrix down I, I think that'll be the idea for St. Haven in 2013 and 14 and then I think people can be on their own so to speak I have the power <laughs> you have the power we have the power Soren Dreyer, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today on Alchemy Radio. It's been enlightening and indeed a great privilege. Hopefully you'll join us again in the future. Same back, John. It's been a pleasure being on. Thank you. Alchemy Radio. Alchemy Radio. song I wrote you might want to sing it note for note don't worry be happy in every life we have some trouble but when you worry you make it double don't worry be happy don't worry be happy now Don't worry, be happy Don't worry, be happy Don't worry, be happy Ain't got no place to lay your head Somebody came and took your bed Don't worry The landlord say your rent is late He may have to litigate Don't worry (laughs) Be happy Look at me, I'm happy Don't worry Be happy I give you my phone number. When you worry, call me. I make you happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Ain't got no cash. Ain't got no style. Ain't got no girl to make you smile. But don't worry. Be happy. When you worry, your face will frown And that will bring everybody down So don't worry Be happy Don't worry, be happy now Don't worry Be happy Don't worry, be happy Don't worry, be happy Don't worry, don't worry
don't do it. Be happy. Put a smile on your face. Don't bring everybody down like this. Don't worry. It will soon pass, whatever it is. Don't worry. Be happy. Alchemy Radio. Alchemy Radio. Analyze. Alchemy Radio. Conceive. Alchemy Radio. Believe. Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in?